You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Recalibrating for the playoffs here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns and the NBA at SB Nation and Dime Magazine. You can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. You can also follow our show on Twitter at LockedOnPHXSuns, where you can tell us which of the Suns road games you're most excited for, because we're breaking that schedule down in just a second. But because it is a Monday, I am joined by Brandon. You know him as Zona on Twitter. He is at AZ Sports Zone. And Brandon, uh, I don't know what else to say. I feel like every week I do a check-in for you, and it's getting kind of like redundant with how successful this team has been. I don't even have like a clever thing to say this week. It's just more of the same. Yeah. Uh, seems like it's status quo. Um, at this point, obviously the Spurs game, like whatever we'll it, ignore it happens. It. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we're going to pretend like that one did not happen. <laughs> yeah. Pretend not to see. Um, but yeah, I think it just happens to every good team. There's going to be nights like that. Just, you know, take the L move on. Um, have a very interesting road trip that we're going to get into and uh, some some interesting uh, topics around the league to talk about. Yeah, for sure. We're going to we're not going to dive into that Spurs game. Um, we usually don't do weekend games unless they're really big or something happens. that's worth talking about that one. Obviously not the case. So we're going to dig into, as you said, Brandon, the the road trip upcoming here. And then, folks, we are also going to start with the news around the league, because I, I wanted to hold off with the Jamal Murray stuff, um, tore his ACL. Very, very disappointing. I mean, you know, I guess if you're a Suns fan, it might not matter too much, but that guy is 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 an awesome player to watch. He's somebody who has really gotten better since coming into the NBA, and that team was starting to fire on all cylinders. So it was really sad to see that, but I guess it is time. I, I did let enough time pass where I do feel okay um, talking about Brandon, it, it, this is a, a, an injury that's going to send some shockwaves through the West. Yeah, definitely. It, it's very unfortunate for that fan base too, because they've been through a lot and they're finally, this is like the year, especially with like the Gordon trade, it seemed like they were going to really have a chance to win a title. And um, those aspirations, I don't want to entirely rule, like rule them out because I still really like their team, even without him. I think uh, Monty Morris is one of the best reserve point guards in the league. But I mean, I, I just still don't think they have enough to win uh, multiple series, especially with how good the West is. So uh, definitely feel for them. And Suns fans already know how good Jamal Murray is against them, uh, yeah. you know, dating back to his earlier days. But now in the bubble and then this season, he started to play like how he did against the Suns against everyone else more consistently. So um, very fun player and just tough to see for sure disappointing and you know especially not only the fact that they kind of you know did an all-in type of move with that Gordon trade and they gave up Gary Harris they gave up um, RJ Hampton and a pick and all the rest but you know it's also going to really impact their ability to compete next season so that's I mean I I suppose a, a topic for 
the future, but it does just add to the pain of these injuries when they happen late in the season are, are, are so much worse. But we also had Donovan Mitchell, um, not anywhere near as serious. Fortunately, it did actually look pretty bad at first, but um, his, his x-rays come back negative um, in terms of structural damage. So he didn't tear anything or break anything. However, um, basically is going to be reevaluated in a week or two. It looks like uh, one week from April 17th. So April 24th is when he'll be reevaluated. Although the jazz did call it a significant lower right ankle sprain. So like you look at, at LeBron Brandon, and he's already, I think today marks five weeks for him with the, the, the pretty nasty ankle sprain he suffered. So, I mean, if the jazz are looking at, at five weeks plus for Mitchell with something like this, I don't know if, if it is as bad, but when I see significant, I kind of go there and that would put them into playoff time. So we could be talking about a Donovan Mitchell injury that lasts into the first round. Yeah, it was definitely a, a tough injury to watch and I'm glad it, it's not as serious as it looked, but um, and for the timetables, I think LeBron's probably like if there's a playoff game like coming up, I think he'd probably try to push himself through it. So it's kind of like a lot of these players are, I don't want to say coasting or like, like letting the, their injuries like carry on further than they probably would for games that matter. But it seems like this season players are like are a little bit more nonchalant with that kind of thing. So yeah, I, I think Mitchell would probably be good. Like, by the time the playoffs roll around. But if he's not, that makes the first round like really interesting, obviously. Um, yeah, even if he is playing, I, I do think this happening so soon prior to the playoffs, it's going to ha- it's gonna be an open question if he can get back into, because it, it, it's one thing to be back um, to like whatever his, his baseline level is, right? And that would take a significant amount of, work and recovery on his part to even get there. But then to get to the level that he had been playing at right when the injury happened is a whole other conversation. Cause he was, he was playing really incredibly. I'm honestly kind of starting around the time of the time of, of when the jazz played the Suns, um, And he put up 41 and brought them back in that game. So I, I have a hard time imagining we'll see that first round. And, and I guess that's where I'm, I guess that that is a little bit of a hopeful note for Suns fans, but I mean, even if it's not about the playoffs, Brandon, we also have the regular season, the rest of that to go where Mitchell will either be gone or, or hampered and getting back into rhythm. And that could mean some bad things for the jazz who are only one and a half games up on the Suns right now. Yeah, no, that's a really good point about um, him trying to get like established a new rhythm when he gets back, he's not going to really have those, those reps that you normally need coming back from an injury. So you know, typically you need like at least, you know, three to four weeks of just getting those games in before the playoffs to kind of reestablish that and get your confidence back, especially with an ankle injury. So um, it could definitely affect his play. And even if he's back, it's, it's not going to be like the same version of himself. Um, but as far as Utah goes, I, I got excited as far as like, oh, we might be able to catch him with the one seed. But then I look at their schedule and like they have the Lakers again uh, tomorrow. But or I guess today, since this is Monday. Um, but then after that, they have Houston, two games against Minnesota at Sacramento and then against the Suns. So that immediate five game stretch. Um, I mean, those four games against some of the worst teams in the West leading up to the Suns game, they're probably going to 
have a great chance to gain some ground, I think, on the Suns just because of the brutal road trip Phoenix will be on. So, um, yeah, well, yeah. I do think they have a chance to move up in the standings. It's not as uh, foregone a conclusion as you'd think. That's for sure. And so we're looking at a situation now where, as I said, Suns are a game and a half back on Utah. Strength of strength of schedule definitely not benefiting the Suns here. Um, however, you you go through and and just reflecting some of these injuries, you have Utah's chance of making the finals has sunk a little bit to twenty three percent or thirteen uh, percent chance. Oh yeah, making the finals twenty three, winning the finals thirteen. There we go. And similarly, the Nuggets are bo- below ten percent on both of those. So and and so are the Suns. The Suns have been kind of on the outside of that elite group looking in in terms of this is all from five thirty eight. Um, how you know? But to me, it's like it, it's hard to look at this bracket and not think that things have broken a little better for the Suns. Now they might not play either of those teams until the conference finals based on how the standings look now but you're looking at a situation where you might have the lakers be playing the jazz in the second round rather than um you know the suns having to play the lakers in the second round or you know you might just be looking at depleted teams across the board because the lakers are obviously let's not forget not with either of their two stars. And we don't know what the prognosis is going to be there. Anthony Davis is, is back in practice. He's supposed to make his return soon. LeBron probably not too far after that, but out of the top five, it's the Suns and the Clippers who are anywhere near healthy right now. And I think that has to be seen as a positive for Phoenix. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you, I look at it this way, you know, let's say the Suns stay in the two seed and the Clippers stay in the three seed, then that, that becomes a team you have to worry about. And everyone else that you're, you'd be afraid of is basically in that other bracket with the four and five seed being uh, most likely Denver and LA, um, the Lakers. So that's, um, that kills two birds with one stone, I think. So then it becomes a challenge of Phoenix just taking care of the Clippers, which we've talked about. That's a tough matchup. It's definitely nothing to, you know, get excited about. But I do think um, with one of Utah or L.A. eliminating the other, it becomes a wide open. uh, It just like knocks out some of like how brutal the West looks on paper. And that's assuming the Suns take care of business in the first round because, uh, you know, you can't sleep on some of these teams in the West. I I know Phoenix has been dominant, but you still got to prove yourself in the playoffs. So um, probably getting a little ahead of myself, but just looking big picture, I think, you know, you just got to pay attention to who the the two and the three are and who the one and the four are, because, you know, that second round is uh, pretty huge. The way I look at the first round is you just want to get through it quickly. Right. So it's like to me and, and we talked about this on the locker room, we'll get to at the end of the show, our conversation over there on Friday of the Suns are probably going to beat Portland. They're probably going to beat Dallas. It's not too much of a concern there to me. However, you don't want to belabor the first round and then, you know, you do face the Clippers and all of a sudden you're you're doing so after having played five, six, seven games. You want to do uh, five would be fine, but you don't want to get to six or seven. Right. So that that's to me, you know, you want to play a team that you can handle pretty quickly and you want to do it where you can get some rest heading into the second round and, and pile up some of that downtime as much as you can throughout the whole playoff run quietly, too. And I'm sure this is partially what you were getting at there. Memphis is 
nipping at the heels of Dallas. We had been talking about it as a two-horse race between Portland and the Mavs. Dallas just lost again on Sunday night right before we hit record by 14 to the Kings. So an ugly loss there. And Memphis is quietly making a play here to be the Suns' first-round opponent. So uh, nothing is very set in stone at all. We also have the play-in to get through before anything is even concrete. So we will keep updating you right here every so often. Um, but one thing that will determine a lot of this is the sun schedule upcoming, including the five road games they have ahead of them to finish out the month of April. So we'll get into what those games are looking like, maybe make some record predictions and uh, break down which really which ones the Suns need to win to come out of this feeling good about their their odds here. Uh, we'll do that right after a quick break. But first, I wanted to tell you about the sponsor of today's show, which is Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. You just post, screen, and interview all in one place on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster. Only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications and schedule and complete video interviews right from your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. They have uh, tools like Indeed Instant Match, which gives you quality candidates again, whose resume matches your description, the Indeed skills tests, which on average reduce hiring time by 27%. You can choose from over 130 tests, then add your requirements so that, again, you only pay for applicants that meet those requirements. Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined, according to Talent Nest. So if you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $70 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever. Made my way through my raspberry cheesecake box. Every time I say a new flavor to you guys, I like chuckle to myself because it's pretty remarkable that they're able to make these things taste as delicious as they are without packing them with sugar, but somehow they do. I'll give you an example. The peanut butter, 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories and just five grams of sugar. Yet you bite one, you bite into one and they're delicious. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. They have so many unique flavors and each of them delivers every single time. Um, I, I really couldn't recommend them enough. They're like my go-to snack now. Um, it's not just something I plug for you guys. It's something I actually enjoy. You get to really get whatever type of taste that you like. If you're a chocolate person, go ahead and get that. If you are more of a fruit person or a cake person, they have a flavor for you. So check it out by going to builtbar.com. When you make your purchase, you're going to use the co promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's go ahead and preview the upcoming road stretch. It's been one, Brandon, that I've been talking about on the show for a long time. I, I think I even eyeballed it when the second half schedule was announced as I don't think it's make or break because we know the Suns are playoff bound pretty much no matter what. They're in a really comfortable spot right now. They're two games up on the Clippers, but you come out of this really ugly and, and things do start to get a little interesting in the standing. So you want to take care of business. It's Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Boston on a back-to-back, -back, Brooklyn to close out the week next Sunday on ESPN, 
And then you close out on another back-to-back with the Knicks, although very limited travel there, obviously, on Monday the 26th. And then just for good measure, games we're not going to talk about quite yet, but you get the Clippers and the Jazz at home to finish out the month. So pretty ugly seven-game stretch we got there, huh? Yeah, it it's going to get uh, – I think things could happen pretty quick in the standings, especially with road trips like this. So – um, you know, you look at the Knicks and Celtics and Sixers, and they have three of the longest win streaks in the league. Um, you know, that Atlantic division has just been tearing it up. So, you know, getting all those games can... And Boston's getting hot. That's like, a very wrong time for the Suns. Boston's playing really well all of a sudden. I thought that would be an easy one, or an easier one at least. Yeah. I always kind of thought they were going to get, like, turn it in the corner and get it together. Um, but... Yeah, they're they're definitely on the right trajectory now, and they're peaking at the right time, um, heating up before the playoffs. So, um, yeah, just this entire road trip, I think uh, you just got to do damage control. They're not going to go five and zero, Suns fans. All right, and if they do, then you know I'll I'll take the L and next week or. Uh, got to have you do some kind of challenge on the show. You, like, <laughs> I don't know. The cinnamon challenge is not a thing anymore, but whatever the new version of that is, and we'll just get your full audio reaction to it. I will gladly accept that if they go five and zero on this road trip and I'll deserve it. But yeah. Um, I think the main thing they have to do is just make sure they don't drop too far down, um, you know, in the next to like Denver or like, so what's know, the, the what's the record? Like, what do you think they have to do of these five? We'll, 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 we'll leave the, the home games against the, the playoff teams till next week. Cause we'll talk again before those ones, but, but looking at these five, like what's the record you think they have to have to at least stay afloat tread water here at the number two seed. Um, I think going two and three is it's not perfect. It's not ideal. Like going three and two would, I think keep them afloat, but even two and three, I think you're still kind of hanging around, but then, if you do go two and three, those next two games against LA and Utah, you have to, you have to be LA, I think, to keep that separation. Um, so that becomes a must win. So yeah, keep, and you like, don't want to put your, that pressure on yourself if you don't have to, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think three and two, and you're still you still have some breathing room. Um, but if you go two and three, then it turns game six at home. Uh, next Wednesday against LA to a, a must win, or you're probably going to get passed in the standings. Uh, and then you have Utah, the game after that. So, um, you know, here's the thing gonna... to me, here's the thing to me. If you, if you go two and three, I actually do kind of tend to agree with you that, that that would be doable. And, you know, they've been pretty good at home and on the road. They're not one of these teams that is dependent upon playing at home. Although Dario Saric is, as we've talked about, but that, that won't make anybody too nervous. I don't think, but can you just imagine, I feel like the, the, the national narrative around the Suns is just begging for them to falter like that. Like if, if they went two and three, can you even imagine how many stories we would get Leading into the next time we're doing this podcast on the 26th, it would just be, you know, yep, same old son, same old Chris Paul. We, you know, this was never meant to be. It is, you know, it was a, it was a fun story. It's a, it's, it's really cute, but this isn't meant to be. They, they go on the, the East and their, their balloon gets popped. That's what I feel like we'd be in for. So if for nothing else, I think that 
taking care of business in that way is really good. And three and two is fine. And, and you look and it's like Brooklyn, on the other hand, we talked about Boston getting a little hot. Brooklyn is without Kevin Durant now. They're already without, without James Harden. He may be back by that game, although I'm not really sure. They don't yeah. seem to be in much of a hurry to, to, to bring anybody back these days. So you're, I think there's three winnable games. I feel like they, they might just clean up on the back half. We might be in for two losses here to start things off and then, and then win the, the back three. That might be the most likely scenario here. Yeah, and you never know what you're going to get with Brooklyn. So they're kind of that wild card where, you know, Kyrie could just decide he, he doesn't want to play. And all of a sudden, you know, they don't have possibly their three stars. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think the narratives will definitely, like you alluded to, will probably – um, start to go off the rails if they go two and three or one and four or something like that. But for me, I, I'm still thinking big picture. And I like even this, like the Spurs game, like whatever, you know, they go two and three on this road trip, like whatever. I, like I'm not going to overanalyze like small sample sizes like that. Um, I do think how, if they're in a close game, um, you can use these games to kind of measure some of those clutch time issues they've had before. Um, so that could be valuable information you could take to head in the, into the playoffs because you're playing good teams in a tough environment on the road, um, especially those weekend games in New York where it's like, you know, they're starting to think about heading back home, uh, especially the, I think the Knicks game is really the toughest one. That The last game of a road trip on the East Coast and the Knicks play hard. So it's an early game and, uh, you know, there's there's just a lot to to look for. But I think at the end of the day, it's not really – you know, it's not a make or break road trip by any means. So no, it'll be ridiculous if that's where the narrative goes. And, and obviously I don't buy into that. Even if they do go two and three, one and four, you will not hear me, you know, being that sky is falling uh, chicken little character here. But I, I do think that, like you said, there's some things to glean, right. And, and, you know, we, we've seen them have Milwaukee's number in the past and, we know that these games are going to, they're, they're reps at the end of the day. Like if, like you said, if they get into a close game, that's valuable moments. We saw how big that, that was that jazz game really felt like a playoff environment. And you need those because these guys are going from never having played in the playoffs to all of a sudden being the favorite in probably the first two series that they're in. And that's an, a weird position to be in. So you want these as much as you can get them. Um, the other thing is you were talking about looking forward to, to coming back home at the end of it. They also can look forward to like, we can push through this and we have a cake scheduled the rest of the way. After that Utah game, their May schedule is just lottery team after lottery team, after injured team, after whatever. And then the Spurs twice to close the, they, the year. They do have to play uh, Poku and Dort though. So look out. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and Colin Sexton and, and the gang. Yeah. I'm not too worried about that. So that's that's another thing. And it, that might sound silly, but at the same time, too, like you could see Monty really push on minutes and and play play and coach to win these games because they know that if they can if they can get through this with like a three and two, four and one record and be pretty competitive and hopefully win the Clippers and Utah game, both of those, at least one of those, then they might be able to to not sit games, but but take things a little bit easier for those last five to ten. So that that's another thing to keep an eye on. We could see some high minutes totals and things like that. Shorter rotations, 
just because it is such an important stretch of the season. Okay. With all that said though, let's, let's put our predictions down. I will go first. I think they'll beat the bucks. I think that they play the bucks. Well, I think that they'll lose to Philly. I think that they'll beat Boston. I think that they'll lose to Brooklyn and I think they'll beat New York. So every other basically. And, and that ends with the three and two record. Okay. Yeah. I have it a little different. Um, I went, I agree. They'll beat Milwaukee. Um, I think they're also going to beat Philadelphia because they always play Ooh. really well. Booker torches them. So it's true. Could be seen Especially another. in Philly. Yeah. So that's, I think they take those first two games and then second of a back-to-back in Boston. I think they dropped that without what like great Boston has been playing lately. And uh, then they head into the Brooklyn game uh, a little more well, like well-rested and it's a game on ESPN. I think they take that one. And then I think they lose to the Knicks the very next day because they're thinking about their flight to Phoenix and the Knicks really want to beat them. So I think they got three and two. Um, so okay. same record, just different, a little different uh, results. Hey, well, it'll be a fun week of Suns basketball. I'm sure you guys are excited as well. Um, we'll be here next Monday recapping that Brooklyn game. I'm sure we'll record as soon as the game ends, hopefully maybe even get that up on Sunday evening if the game is as exciting as it could be. I mean, I kind of hope at least one of the stars will play, if not multiple, because I just want to see that team and I want to see the Suns get tested in that way. But who knows with with the Nets? Um, but anyway, I'll be here recapping all of them. Brandon and I will be back next Monday. You can enjoy our a segment of our locker room conversation from Friday, which we do every single Friday. Um, we'll get some questions and answers in. You'll hear some of that to close out the show. But let's take a quick break first to tell you about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action. BetOnline even covers awards TV shows and reality TV. The Oscars coming up next weekend. Maybe you know in this very weird movie year which Oscar, uh, which movie will win the Best Picture Oscar. Go to BetOnline for real-time updated odds and props on anything you can imagine in the sports or entertainment business. It's the best way to place a bet and... It's free to sign up. So head to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device. Make an account today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code Locked On. Again, head to betonline.ag or download their app. Make an account today. Use the promo code Locked On and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Alex asked another question for us, which is, the worst first-round matchup for the Suns and the best. Um, we've talked a little bit about the worst, Brandon, at different points based on the, what we saw in some of these recent games, the Jazz, the Clippers, et cetera. But mm-hmm. I'm interested who you think would be the best team for them to match up with in the first round. Because that, that's looking like basically Portland or Dallas. Yeah. Um, for me, I've, I've kind of gone back and forth on Portland and Dallas just because Either way, you don't want to be in a series like facing Dame or Luka. So it's just kind of pick your poison. And the more I thought about it, the more I think I'd rather play Dallas just because I think they're built to beat them a little bit better. Um, I I do think they'd take both teams out uh, fairly, I don't want to say easily, but like in six games, I would say. Um, But I, I just think Dallas, like they have the wings to throw at Luka that most teams don't. And if you're shutting him down, I just don't. I think Portland has a, a scarier supporting cast around Dame than Dallas does around Luca. 
So for me, it's like, I just don't think Luca can carry the load for the, for the Mavs in a full series. Um, so yeah, it's, I would say Dallas is probably the team I'd, I'd want to face the most. That's so and, surprising. I, cause I see, I tweeted something going back and forth with, uh, the locked on Mavs account the other day on, uh, on the locked on Suns account and like got a lot of feedback from Suns fans who were like, nah, we, we actually want Dallas, which I feel like, how many national NBA podcasts have there been in the past couple of weeks being like, no one wants to play the Mavericks, avoid Luka, avoid this team. You know, they're, they're the nasty type of first round matchup that probably shouldn't even be in that seven seed. And then like you, a bunch of Suns fans in my mentions were like, no, we actually want to, we want Dallas. We want Dallas more than Portland. And I'm like, I get you on the supporting cast, but if you're just thinking like, you know, Last year, right? Like, I feel like Dallas had a pretty, had a way scarier type of playoff team than we saw from 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 Portland. Like, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm going crazy. Maybe I'm underestimating Dame. But I just feel like, in and of himself, like I'm trying to not play Luca in a do or die game, even if Dame has some of those same moments. Like, I think we know the track record for Dame in the playoffs, and and I feel like mm-hmm. I prefer Luca. But maybe I'm wrong. Suns fans seem to agree with you. Yeah, it's like it's pretty close for me too. Um, and Alex brings up Steph too. I like I don't care how like disappointing the Warriors have been this year. I do not want to face the Warriors either, just because of Steph alone. He's especially what he's doing right now. I mean, but at the same time, like with guy with teams like Portland and, and Dallas, um, where they're so reliant on one guy, it seems um, Portland's been pretty banged up. So you know, heading into the playoffs, if they're if they're healthy and you know, they're peaking at the right time. They're, I feel like they're just one of those teams that could cause more issues for the Suns defensively than Dallas. Because, like, with, with Dallas, at least, you know, we've seen they're 8-1 and one against them in their last nine games. Like, And I know regular season's a different animal from the playoffs, but I just really like the amount of wings that they can throw at Luka. And you can just tell he does not enjoy playing against Mikel Bridges. So I just think, it like, it's not like I'm, like, jumping for joy if they match up with Dallas because it's going to suck facing Luka, but I, I don't know. I just think Portland would slightly scare me a little bit just because of how dangerous that offense could be if they're at full strength and clicking. Um, let me ask you this, because I think one of the things about Dallas, too, aside from the fact that Mikhail just straight up has Luka's number, it seems like at this point, is that Dallas doesn't really have anybody to defend Booker. And that's I think that's one of the exactly, underrated yeah. reasons that, that they've been able to beat Dallas because everybody just looks at Mikhail and then they look at like, oh, you know, DeAndre Ayton tends to play well because he gets fired up because of the 2018 draft, whatever. I don't think that – I don't buy into that too much. I think they just – like if Tim Hardaway is guarding your best player, I think you feel pretty good in a series. But the same thing is true for Portland, right? Like neither team really has somebody because you're not going to yeah, put their, like, their defense Robert might Covington be worse than <laughs> – than Dallas's. Oh, so. oh, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is. It's, right? it's brutal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, and so that's kind of where I come down is it's like Portland probably has even less to, to say defensively and I'm less scared of their superstar. And, and so that's, that's it. But, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with you. Like the Suns should probably be able to, to beat either of those teams. Pretty yeah, easy. For sure. Yeah. And I was listening to uh, the ringer, podcast today with kevin o'connor and uh just going back to their 40 wins they're in a like regular 82 game season they're they'd be, they'd be on pace for 60 wins yeah i guess it was like 59.7 or whatever 
KOC said, but I mean, 60 wins is not an easy feat. So this is just, it, it's just, it's crazy to even think about. And I, I, I mean, know basically weird, but they were saying yeah. it on the, uh, on the broadcast last night, like basically since that late January stretch where they kind of sputtered, you know, they lost to Denver twice and then Oklahoma city three games in a row. They haven't lost back to back games since then. And they've, they have the best record in the NBA since that stretch. So basically, like, since February 1st or even that Dallas game on January 30th, the Suns have the best record in the NBA. <laughs> like, what is happening? Yeah. It doesn't seem possible. I mean, they were 10-8 and eight at one – they were 9-8 and eight at one point um, after they beat the Warriors and, and like, have lost single-digit games since then. And that's been – that was almost three months ago. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean – I really don't have words. It's just been one of those seasons where it's like, is this really happening? <laughs> um, it's happened. Like I expected them to be good this year. I just didn't think this leap would come. Um, looks like Alex has another question. Scale of one to 10 big picture thinking, um, how sustainable do you guys feel the success is? How long does the window with this team last? Is it as long as CP three is healthy or something else? Um, I'll let you start with that one, Brendan. Sustainable, sustainability-wise, one to ten. I mean, if we're talking this year, I feel pretty good about it. And like, I had Nikias Duncan on the podcast on uh, Thursday or on Wednesday, actually, and he was able to make me feel even better about this team. Like, I really think like when you have superstars like Booker and Paul and an infrastructure around them that's pretty good on both ends of the floor. Like, I think they could make a run this year. So I'd say seven or eight on that. And then, you know, as far as, like, down the line, yeah, it probably is probably is very Chris Paul-based because they, they didn't and they haven't gotten anybody really to replace him. I mean, that's nitpicking. It's like one of these things where I'm not going to sit here and talk about that every time I talk about wow, the team. this is but, campaign slander. I will not allow it. <laughs> Starting point guard campaign. Yeah, I'm, I, I'd be a little worried. Um, but, like, that's that's probably, like, the bigger, if if we do kind of zoom out and then think a few years down the line, that's what, what might worry me a little is, like, you know, they don't have an answer there. And and even if you draft a guy now, like, how, how early can you expect him to contribute? Where are you drafting him? You're not going to have a high pick anytime soon. So that's that's where it starts to get a little tough. But you can always be flexible there, right? So it might just be like two, three years of, of Chris Paul. This might be like a Cardinals with Kurt Warner or Carson Palmer type of situation. Yeah, I think I'm a little more optimistic than you, but at the same time, I, I totally agree. The NBA, like things could change really quick in your window, could change within a year. I mean, just look at Golden State and Toronto, who, I mean, they were in the championship not too long ago, and now both teams are in jeopardy of missing even just the playing game. So, uh, things can change quick. Just one injury, you know, one player leaving you, uh, someone regressing. So there, there's a lot of things that can skew you in one direction or the other. But I feel really good about just this young core learning how to win from Chris Paul. And I feel like he still has a lot of good basketball left in him. Um, so I feel like this is like the type of leader that's going to sort of teach like this young core how to win and, and like once he's done and he lay, either hangs it up or go somewhere else i feel like the infrastructure is in place where you know you talk about like drafting a, a point guard i feel like based off of james jones track record 
if they added another point guard, it's going to be a free agent or a trade and someone that's ready to compete now because like all, all they care about is winning with Monty and James. So I feel like the culture's there and like just it's it seems like a place that free agents will want to go just with how team oriented it is. So I, I feel really good just about their general direction and um, even as like a not like a huge free agent destination, but just getting those the, those mid tier guys that will want to come play. The Jay Crowders, um, right? Yeah, exactly. So um, just all in all, I feel really good about where they are. Like much better now than I did even a year ago, where they they made some incremental steps. Um, but yeah, the new practice facility is going to help them with recruiting. Um, a lot of play, a lot of the players love Scottsdale and like the North Phoenix area and all that. So um, yeah, that's kind of getting off topic a little bit, but I feel like this their window can go a long way with you know their young core all under team control for a long time. Yeah, part of it part of it to me is like. You know, do they get another point guard, or does does Book become more of that option? Like, does he add some more playmaking to his game? Does he, you know, get to a point where he's more of like that? I don't think that the Harden comparison is realistic anymore. That was maybe something we dreamt about when he was when he was younger. But like, you know, Bradley Beal, can he add a little bit more of of being like a all the time guy on offense? Now Beal's losing doing that, so I don't even know if that's a, a type of role you want to shoot for, but that's one other option where if, if Booker can really be like that creator, like 40, 50 times a game, then, then things maybe change there. But Sam has one, another one for us. And then I think we maybe can wrap up. It's actually interesting, Sam. So, so he says, you know, he doesn't love about James Jones that he tends to make short-term moves that don't necessarily maximize the long-term. And he gives the example of not drafting Tyrese Halliburton. And that would have been more of a long-term move. I actually think is the opposite. I think Halliburton was a guy who you felt like could help you right now. He's doing that in Sacramento, whereas Smith is the long-term move, right? So, I mean, that's that's a little – I see that a little differently. How, how do you feel like we've seen Jones operate, Brandon, like long-term versus short-term? Like are you worried about him sacrificing too much of the, the future with the here and now? Yeah, so everyone gets on him about like asset management and all that. And he's, he's made some really shrewd moves where – he doesn't care about like the backlash. He just wants to like, get his guys and get rid of guys that aren't like his guys. And we saw that, you know, with Josh Jackson, with TJ Warren, um, and then obviously the the Dario Saric, Cam Johnson for Culver trade, which worked out beautifully. Um, yeah, I think there's kind of a little bit of both where he sacrificed probably more than you'd like to see in certain assets at times, but at the same time he's built a team that looks like they're going to be sustainably good for at least the next two, three years um, without really sacrificing anything too dramatic. Like, I mean, their pick situation, they they only owe one pick to OKC and it's protected. So it kind of limits some of that flexibility, but overall, I, I think he's done a a pretty good job of not entirely mortgaging the future. Um, and that's what happens with like trading Rubio and, and Ubre. They are two movable contracts, and they didn't really feel like those guys were a part of their long term plans. They didn't want to pay Ubre uh, the money that he thought he deserved, which looks like a, a very smart call at this point. And you know, Rubio is obviously not a long term piece. So getting Chris Paul for essentially in Jones's mind just a, a future pick and, and Ty Jerome. I won't slander him, his name. Uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's had some fun moments so far. Uh, with he's Tokyo playing. 
Yeah, he's actually playing. Um, but I mean, then again, who isn't on OKC right now? Uh, that team yeah, is. Yeah, they're starting anybody like who, who puts a jersey on. So, yeah, they're they're very fun, interesting, and fun. But uh, but yeah, I think Jones has done a good job of balancing both. There's been some moves where it's like that seems short sighted, but then he's made up for it in other areas. So it's hard to question the man that has taken a team from last place to first or second. Well, and like you said, like, I guess my last thought on that would be, you you said a minute ago, like, you know, the NBA can change on a dime. Right. And so I think that's, that's true in general, but I think it's pretty smart to me to see, to operate that way even more now than you have ever in the history of the league. Like, you know, think to the Clippers right now, like they, you know, the whole, you know, there was so many, you know, skies falling. The whole NBA is different now. Wow. Chris Paul or uh, Kawhi Leonard and, and Paul George on the same team on and on and on. And then it's like, now that there's some panic, like what if they don't actually, you know, win a championship? What if they don't even make much of a run here and Kawhi can be a free agent right away and, and you lose this this franchise changing player that you gave up everything and potentially committed some crimes to get right like um yeah. and, and so and so i think operating like that where you do treat things as like almost season by season like what does our roster look like now how do we maximize that you know you don't want to give up too much to do it but uh, i think that's how jones is operating and i feel like there's some insight there i mean how many hastily cobbled together win now teams did he play on? He saw that, you know, right up front and close what with the Heat and the Cavs. So I actually think as long as you're doing it in a smart way, that that actually is probably the better way to go about things these days in the NBA. So I, I trust him to, if let's say Chris Paul, you know, starts to show his age, let's say things get dicey with, with DeAndre Ayton down the line or, something you know anything happens then I, I actually do like you said i think he's earned the benefit of the doubt to, to make things happen and to uh to kind of figure it out on the fly but unless you have anything else man i think we'll put this in the pod on monday so you guys can check us out on locker room every friday we, we try to do it sometime on friday for you guys in the afternoon get you ready for the weekend with sun's q a can come on stage with us you can answer questions in the chat whatever you want to do you got anything else for him brandon well i think that covers it man 